Hello, Curvies. I am Mary Scott Hunter here today with my co-hosts, Rachel Breyers and Liz Bashirs. Welcome to episode 77. Today, we are talking about a subject that is truly uncomfortable for most everybody, oversharing. Yep, oversharing. But wait, 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 wait. Don't hit the pause button just yet because it's also a subject that you really shouldn't feel uncomfortable about. Almost everyone on the planet has done it at some point or had it done to them. Somebody has overshared to them. So it's great to spend just a little time today understanding this phenomenon. So, ladies, let's dive into oversharing and just start with an example that I found in a 2016 article from Psychology Today. In this article, uh, I'm going to quote her. This is the example. I once worked with a woman who told me and several other people in her office that she was having an affair. Right, row. In fact, her love interest sometimes sent her flowers at work. Right, 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 row. As if that weren't awkward enough, <laughs> I happened to work with her and her husband. I happened to work with her husband at my part-time job. Although I didn't really know him, I knew who he was, and I was uncomfortable every time I passed him in the hallway. Oh, maybe, so maybe we should clarify that the rut row was Mary Scott's commentary. <laughs> that was my commentary. Is this is this story what kids these days are calling cringe? Ooh, oh, it's totally cringy. I know. <laughs> so, um, all right, I know y'all pretty well, so I know you've probably never shared anything like this, but ever been the recipient of this like level of cringy oversharing? I know I have. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) I think for some reason, I guess I have a a face that people just think they can uh, dump info on. (laughs) I I feel like people tell me stuff. I just don't need to know all the time. You know, very similar, Liz. And I, I don't know that I always look at it as a negative thing, but it is true that it does tend to attract a lot of information. Well, I mean, come on, right? It's, it happens. I mean, maybe not to this level. This is, this was an extreme example. And there's, there's really a lot of information about this subject out there. And maybe it's a little oxymoronic uh, today uh, because we're a podcast, but, but I I do kind of want to share some examples of oversharing because I want to, you know, I, I, I think everybody wants to feel like I would never do that, but you know, like the truth is we all do it sometimes. I mean, it's maybe not, maybe not people that are truly introverted and shy, you know, that really just don't open their mouth a lot. Sometimes I envy those people because, you know, although I, I do call myself a recovering introvert, introvert, I'm, I'm not shy. So things come out of my mouth sometimes that I really just want to suck back, you know, like, like pull them right back. But all right. I, I, so if you want to share, I'd love to hear your, you know, <laughs> I'd love for you to overshare about oversharing <laughs> a time when you might've, might, might've done that. And I've got a story or two. I don't know if I have any specific examples that come to mind from recently, but I, I know in the past I have, um, so I'm a, I'm a verbal processor. Like I am somebody who, when I am thinking through a problem, thinking through an issue, I need to talk about it to some sort of audience, whether that's a friend, my husband, something who can, even if they don't give me feedback, it's just almost like a sounding board. So it's something to kind of splat my words up against so I can kind of see how other people outside of my brain react to them. And sometimes that can turn into sharing way too much about my internal feelings around an issue instead of just the facts of, of the matter. 
Yeah, you know, I'd say for me, I'm going to share that there are three categories of Rachel Breyer's oversharing. So one is in a group context where I've sort of found myself swept up into a moment of conviviality, you know, with a fun group and we're talking about life and I've said something I really hoped was funny, but it came out perhaps as an overshare or (laughs) as a Debbie Downer moment that I just wish I could take back. But then I'd say more frequent for me is the second category. And that is in a one-on-one interpersonal context. So like I said, people tend to pour out their hearts to me because I really do actually love to listen and I'm interested in learning what makes people tick. So in those moments of connecting one-on-one with someone who may be distressed or going through a hard time, I sometimes find myself mirroring their emotions back to them to try and help them feel better, maybe leading me to overshare really in an attempt to find common ground, show them that they are not alone. So I have done that on the regular. And I think that hurts me because I allowed myself to be swept into an emotionally contagious moment instead of maybe providing good advice. But then lastly, (laughs) for me, there's the context of sharing or oversharing as a creator or a writer. And I think, you know, one of my college majors was English. And, you know, some of the most powerful works of literature, and certainly within the genre of memoir, are truly, when you think about it, one big overshare. And I think these works of art mean so much to people. So, Like I've shared before, one of my favorite quotes is from Stephen King. He wrote a book called On Writing, and he said that if you intend to write as truthfully as you can, your days as a member of polite society are numbered. And that always stuck out to me Um, along the same lines I heard. I used to read a lot of New Yorker columnist and essay writer David Sedaris's work. He's really kind of dark, so I don't read much of it anymore. But I saw him at a talk one time, and he's known for like one-on-one conversations with people afterward. And so he told me one-on-one, he said, you know, if you hope to be a creator, you cannot hold back. Whenever you think to yourself, huh, maybe I shouldn't write that that's when you are finally writing well and true. And if on the other hand, you're just trying to be safe and put yourself in the best light possible, your work is going to be straight up trash. (laughs) It'll never be art. So anyway, I struggle to find that balance. I have definitely overshared person to person in a group and certainly as a creator. But I want to say one thing real quick before we move on. And that is that some of my most favorite people in the world are those who aren't that guarded and tend to lay it out there. So... Help me understand what to do with that, Mary Scott. Well, we are going to talk about that because I think what you're teasing out is the balance between authenticity and oversharing. And I've got that in my notes to, to address and because that's a, that's a hard thing to strike. And there are some ways to recognize when it's authenticity as opposed to oversharing. And I think art is in the former category. Art is authentic. Oversharing is comes from a place of you know, that's not good. Maybe it comes from a place of anxiety or a place of um, kind of a false sense of intimacy or, you know, those kind of things, I think. So let's tease that out in a second. But to share my example, I, I, I'll i be brave and share two specific examples. One was in a group in a bar and I was talking to this investigator. I was a lawyer prosecutor at the time and I was talking to this investigator and I told him that in a conversation with other lawyers in my office that we really liked working with him the most of all his colleagues. 
what? Because that like implied that we didn't like the rest of them. And of course, like he went and blabbed that back to his, you know, his, the other investigators and it wound its way back to me. I mean, I was drinking, I had a drink, so I'm sure my inhibitions were down. And I, I said something I shouldn't have. And it was, it was, it was years ago, years and years and years ago, but I still remember that moment of like, Oh my gosh. Even after I said it at that very moment, why did I say that? So that was one. Isn't it crazy? How, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. But isn't it crazy how the things that you did years ago can still just like make your face burn? <laughs> no, if you're yes. looking at me right now, my face is red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And y'all, this one was funny and it, it went fine. It was no big deal. But after church this past Sunday, it was one of those it was one of those fall in Alabama days where you start in the morning and it's cool. And then it turns hot by, you know, by the, you know, by noon or so I'd worn this sweater dress to church. <laughs> y'all, that was your first mistake. We get through church and it was a busy day. Cause I'm leading stewardship. I'm, I'm the head of the stewardship committee. So I'm raising money and I'm talking at, at both our services. And, you know, we get to this next meeting after church talk on this other committee I'm on in. And I was like ready to jump in a swimming pool. I was so flipping hot. And I, pushed back from the table, ripped off my mask and said something about menopause. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. And luckily it was almost all very understanding people and women in the room that know me really well. And, and the one man in the room looked at me for a second and said something really funny about being your own personal summer. And I, but I just thought, Oh my gosh, you know, they trust me to get in front of the whole church and talk about important things. I can't be saying inane things, you know, or have that reputation. So anyway, it was just a moment when I thought, hmm, maybe not, maybe a little overshare there. So anyway, let's get into what really causes people to overshare us, not people, us. What causes us to overshare in these situations? You know, we do it in person. We do it on social media. Is it different? So who wants to go first? I've got some ideas, but I'd like to hear from y'all first. What what do you think causes us to overshare either in person or on social media? And is that, is it different? Well, Mary Scott, and you had sent a couple of helpful articles. So I I read through those and I'll pull out a couple of things that stuck out to me. So one of them was a Psychology Today article and the other one was from a website called Social Pro Now. Both of those authors said that we tend to do this in person out of a false sense of intimacy. So perhaps, you know, our hairdresser, they're she's touching our hair. So we kind of feel intimately connected to this person. Suddenly we're telling them our whole story. The second one this person wrote was solace in a stranger. So maybe you think, well, I'm never going to see this person again. I really just want to offload something I'm thinking about. And you're sharing something that you maybe shouldn't. The third one she said was a misguided attempt to fast track the relationship. And I want to say that really rung a bell with me. I thought, you know, I have probably done that where I just want to, I just want to go ahead and like skip over all the awkwardness. I just want to go ahead to getting to that good working relationship or that awesome friendship. And like, I didn't take the time to really find out what this person was like. Can I trust them? Didn't take the time to build rapport. And you, you have to do that or you end up being like very regretful. And I have definitely done that. The fourth thing she said was just poor boundaries. And then the fifth was a hasty effort to make someone else feel comfortable. 
So I think that gets to what I was saying earlier of just like, oh, you are sharing, you are feeling, you're really in your feelings and I want to make you feel better. Let me share something, you know, pull it from my hat to share. That's probably an overshare to make you feel better. Oh, Rachel, you are so sweet. (laughs) That is is exactly what oversharing would happen. You're just so, um, in conversations with you, especially in person, Rachel, you are just so intensely interested in people. And I can so see that situation where somebody would just like, you know, (laughs) I think I've done it. (laughs) I think we all have. Um, But I, I, I like that thought of, that almost as a empathetic mirror, that reaction, because I find myself falling into that one a lot. If somebody shares something vulnerable with me and like, oh, oh no, to make them feel more comfortable, I need to share something vulnerable too. And that's not always the appropriate reaction. But the, so the articles that I read through are more about why and how we overshare online and, and what that says about our current society. I, I think there are a lot of good reasons. And here's an article from Psychology Today that talks about why we overshare online. And they say that we can lose our inhibitions online because others seem so dis- distant. And y'all, I remember, gosh, I was in probably seventh or eighth grade, so pretty young. We still had dial-up internet. Um, and I wanted to respond to something somebody had said mean to me on the internet. And my mom just in her ultimate wisdom, like just said, don't, don't respond to this person online. People are much braver behind a keyboard than they are in real life. And I've, I've tried to remember that as, as tech and social media and just being connected to all kinds of social networking sites all the time have, has become more and more ubiquitous. And I think psychology today really goes uh, really well into this topic, talking about why in a place where there is anonymity and some invisibility and the ability to say something, they would throw a bomb out in the world and then run away and nobody can, nobody can come back at you is those are incentives that that kind of can bring out some of the worst in us and can bring out some of not just oversharing, but uh, almost hurtful guards around the tender parts of ourselves. Um, the but the end of the end of this article <laughs> talks about. Interestingly, there might be some technological solutions to some of these issues that cause some of this oversharing online. Um, many of them are issues of failing to see connections between the online and offline world. Imagine a little feature that says your boss will see this or your mom will see this. One that analyzes the text and alerts you when you're about to post something very aggressive. We have the technology to do this. And it could be that such subtle clues would be enough to revive some of those inhibitions and cause people to leverage their privacy settings more closely. So that this article is more about the negative side. On the positive side, there was one from Macquarie University in Australia, The Lighthouse, that talks about, it calls oversharing is like a digital tattoo. A good idea at the time, but not always easy to get rid of. They take a little bit more of an optimistic societal view of oversharing online specifically. They, they talk about how through the years, particularly through Western society, norms of the changing sense of self those norms change. Those norms have, you know, what, 10 years ago, a selfie might be, have been considered something narcissistic. Today, it's something pretty much everybody engages in from time to time is popping that <laughs> phone up and, and clicking that selfie button and then sharing it in your store, in your Instagram story or somewhere else. 
Um, It closes this article talking about how oversharing doesn't have to be negative. There can be positive outcomes. People make connections, feel a greater sense of authenticity and establish a digital community that is important to them. And I I do want to talk about that digital community piece, because I think that has been a, a, saving grace for a lot of people over the last 18 months of that ability to find and what feels like an authentic, intimate group of people that they are only connecting with digitally out of a myriad of reasons. But I don't think we should just throw that away. And that sometimes that oversharing is a shortcut to intimacy in a good way too. It does. It's not always negative. But well, I, I would say that is that oversharing or is that often really authentic, real authenticity? Oh, I think it's a risk. I, I, I think it, mm-hmm. it's very context dependent. Mm-hmm. Well, the other two that I just want to mention that we we kind of uh, did a little work researching is there, there's there are some legit things that make you overshare like stimulants, ADHD, alcohol and drugs. I mean, there's there's some things that we just know reduce inhibition. So those are out there, too. Um I want to dive in. We've we've got a few minutes. I want to dive into the what we touched on earlier, and that's that, and what Liz was just talking about that balance between authenticity and oversharing. I found this Forbes magazine article, and I thought they did a really good job dealing with the delicate balance there. It ha- that you know you everybody's trying to strike really between authenticity and oversharing. The the contributing writer was Amy Marin, and she wrote, in the past few years, many self-help books, blog posts, and TED Talks have centered on the idea that we should be authentic. While it's refreshing to see that we're valuing honesty and credibility over arrogance and perfection, the idea that you should own your story has led to some confusion. So, okay, it's important to be authentic and real. That's that's the goal. That's what we all want to be. That's what we want to be here at Bell Curve. That's what we want our Kirby's to be. Um, so how do we balance this goal with the pitfalls of, of oversharing? You know, I, I, I tend to think I, you know, if you're, you know, the Forbes article did some good talking on, it did some good research on this, but personally, I think that authenticity tends to come from a good place, like your values, your courage. Um, it represents the best in us. Um, it might require you to put yourself at, at risk. Authenticity does, but it might not. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to put yourself out there and blab yourself to people who don't, you know, or not blab you or talk to people who are going to hurt you, you know, or reveal yourself to or people who are going to hurt you. Authenticity doesn't require that necessarily. Um, I, I think about raw pain, sometimes raw pain, you know, a place that is not positive to stay in at any rate, that can drive oversharing, you know? And I feel like, I don't know, my sense is authenticity comes from a more settled place. You know, if you're trying to gain sympathy, you're, to me, you're probably oversharing. You know, if you are trying to help somebody else by relaying something about your life or a lesson that you've learned to them, you know, to me, that looks more like authenticity. So I don't know, what do y'all think? You know, a lot of what you said made me just think it's really taking into account who is the audience, quote, you know, or who is the recipient of the message. So if and when you can kind of quickly analyze your audience, to put it almost in a marketer's terms, you know, you might say, well, am I, is this, does someone have something I'm trying to get from them? So to your point, Mary Scott, 
Am I trying to get sympathy from them? Am I trying to get some sort of feeling of emotional closeness from them? Or am I trying to give to them? So I'm, you know, giving to them something that I think might be helpful, but maybe it it won't be and I need to pause and think through that. Or analyze the audience and to your point about being hurt by this, think, is this a trustworthy source? That article that you mentioned, I, I like, she said, quote, you might put yourself in physical danger by revealing too much to the wrong person. You could alienate people who feel uncomfortable by the amount of personal information you share. And recounting your problems to people who don't have your best interest in mind may lead them to take advantage of you, unquote. And I think sometimes, I mean, I've realized this, that there are people, and these articles pointed it out, there are people who are really good. It's almost like putting out some, a little bit of a fishing line with a hook. So they they might share a little something, but really they're trying to get you to share because they would like to manipulate you. And it's, it's just sad to say that. You always want to believe the best about people. I really try to do that. But I've gotten really good at recognizing those kinds of folks. And you can tell because they will talk to you about all the information they have on other people. And you know that the way they got that information was by luring them to share it in the first place. You know... I mean, let's face it, there are just people out there that, you know, that, that, that it is not safe to share your stuff with. There, it's just not. And I really think if there's one thing you take away today, Kirby's recognizing who, who, when you can share, when you can be, you know, authentic is a good, is a, is coming from a good place, going to a good, going to a need, going to a good place, going, it's creating something worthy. You know, I don't, and, and oversharing, I think the difference there is pretty, it's, it's those, there's going to be some negatives in and around oversharing. And I think that's probably, although it, it, it really walks closely together and it may be really hard to discern the difference. I think if you can kind of keep that in mind and my, that's at least how I'm going to think about it. Um, all right. Well, what do we do? And I, I really didn't find a lot of research out there, ladies. So this one may be just Mary Scott, Rachel and Liz's tips. Um, what have you done when you've overshared? What, how do you handle it? You know, I, I think that this is hard for me, but trying very hard not to ruminate or dwell on the regret piece of that is a good step. Also, you know, let's just be real, knowing that most people feel a little bit of schadenfreude or at least relieved to know that they're not the only ones who do this and that you're not perfect, knowing that that's probably how they feel helps. And I think also just telling yourself you are a work in progress You may have said something you regretted then, but you're going to use this discomfort that you feel as an opportunity to do better next time is helpful. I think that's incredible advice, Rachel. And and I would also, I guess, double down on on being graceful with yourself, showing yourself grace. And then also if, if what you said, because sometimes we can overshare in a way that hurts other people around us, but making sure that if, if you, if you unintentionally hurt somebody around you, that you are asking for forgiveness, expressing your apologies, and then just being more thoughtful in the future. I, I was thinking that maybe when you've overshared, it, it may be a point to pivot to authenticity. Um, you can start with an apology if that's the, you know, the appropriate thing to do uh, in that moment even, or, you know, if you're, if it's not right, cause you're in a bar, you're drinking alcohol or whatever, you know, I would try it later, but you know, it might be just the right thing to do is you say, 
you know, I'm sorry I said that. I don't know what came over me. You know, I mean, just it could be just as simple as that. But the fact is, it does happen. It's going to happen. You're going to overshare. People are going to overshare with you. So I, I think not ruminating on it, pivoting to some a more authentic place, uh, you know, moving on, you know, it, these are probably the best things we could do. So we know what to do when we have overshared. What about when somebody is oversharing with us or you, you've got, you know, you ha- you're dealing with an oversharer. Sometimes these people can be, you know, pretty close to home. I mean, it could be people in your family. It could be people in your immediate circle. It can be people you love. Um, you know, it can be people in your office. It can be, you know, it, it can, it, it cannot just, you know, I think, you know, some of the tips and things that we find out there are these situations where it's, you know, it's a social situation, you can disconnect, but let's face it. I mean, it can be pretty close to home sometimes. So, you know, you're in the situation, somebody's oversharing. Um, for me, I, I try to change the subject. Um, I try not to reciprocate, try not to do it myself because I think people will tend to get the memo. Um, you know, if you, if you're not an overshare, I think that the tendency is people not to overshare with you. I th- and that just kind of speaks to boundaries. You know, if you've kind of decided what your boundaries are and you talk about, I don't know, I don't know if talking about your boundaries, I mean, that's kind of weird, but you know, if you kind of clue in people, <laughs> what your boundaries are about that stuff, um, you know, I think it'll be less likely to happen, but I mean, I think it does happen, especially on social media. So um, that's what Mary Scott does. What do you guys do? You know, I think one thing that's been important for me is, and to your point, Mary Scott, I would probably never verbalize and say, you are really crossing my boundaries right now. You need to not say, I mean, I would, I cannot ever imagine myself saying that. Oh, that is just so weird. <laughs> and that's where, and it, I think but, that also like shuts the door, slams the door on a future chance at like a, a close friendship. Yes. Go ahead. Right. Sorry, Rachel. No, no, but, but I, I just want to say that what I have allowed myself to do and have had to force myself to do is to really think through when and whether I can speak to certain people at certain times whose emotions are for whatever reason so contagious to me that if they are an oversharer, I just already know I'm gonna feel really affected. And I need to, so I need to control how and when that convo happens. Maybe I'm okay with having that convo, but Friday afternoon before a weekend, probably gonna have to ignore that phone call. Yeah. So wise, so wise. (laughs) It truly is. I wish I could be that wise. Oh my goodness, not at all. I've made this mistake too many times. It's just born out of pain. Touchy subject, but I, it's, I mean, it's ubiquitous. We've done it. It's done to us. It's going to happen. Having a few tools in the toolbox to deal with it is a good thing. So Kirby's great to be with you today as always. If you like our show, please leave us a review and we will keep bringing you solid enriching content so that you're just a little closer to always being your best you. See you next time.